it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who did not win the Iowa caucuses last night. No, ma'am. Donald Trump did in a rout. And the media is losing its mind. The media is a bunch of losers. 888-788-9910. If you want to join me in the kiss and cry room, the gymnasts have performed their routines out in Iowa. Uh, three people made the medal stand. One got sent home and ended the campaign, that being Vivek Ramaswamy. Get him out of here. Yeah, well, Vivek is, in fact, to be clear, uh, he has dropped out and endorsed Trump and will be campaigning for him in New Hampshire, uh, where Nikki Haley has declared it's now a two horse race. Wrong. <laughs> I think what Nikki Haley means is if she doesn't win New Hampshire, uh, her campaign will be traveling on two horses. The rest of the way, because they might not have money for planes and cars and buses. But one way or the other, we will break it down. We'll sort it out. 888-788-9910. You know the rules on this show. You can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. You can be a Libertarian. You can be dressed like I am on Fox Nation right now. I I look like a children's party clown. I'm wearing a Scully shirt, but I look like a children's party clown uh, that shouldn't be around children anymore. <laughs> it's a, I got a weird vibe going, but it's going to make for a good show. So be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a children's party clown. Just don't be a. There it is. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Uh, one quick announcement and then let's do the show. Uh, if you planned on seeing me down in Ponte Vedra, Florida. OK, as you guys know, I am heading down there on Saturday, March the 9th. A lot of people got mad because the show sold out. Yeah, we caught a lot of heat for that. A lot of heat. People are upset. Hey, Jimmy, the show's not till March. I was going to drive over, get the tickets. We were going to go. My mother loves you. She's 117 years old. We were going to see, which is exciting for me. So what I did, rather than catching heat from all of you about selling out that arena, that venue, uh, I have just agreed the tickets are on sale right now. We just added another show. So Saturday, March the 9th, if you want to see me in Ponte Vedra, Florida, I'm doing a double shift. There is a 5 p.m. show that they have added in the theater uh, that we have to now sell out. And everybody who said, hey, we wanted to go, we couldn't get tickets, you can get them. And uh, I will meet every one of you. Get your phone out, tweak a selfie. If you're one of those people who wants to grope me after the show, I get a little I get a lot of that on the road. I'm not going to lie. I love it when you talk dirty. But one way or the other, a new show added. Uh, overall dates for the Everybody Calm Down Tour it is March 1st in Idaho Falls, March 2nd in Sacramento, March 8th in Fort Lauderdale, March 9th in Ponte Vedra, uh, March 29th. We're in Helena, Montana, March 30th, Spokane, Washington, April 5th, Federal Way, Washington, April 6th, Boise, Idaho. And then the big one, the East Coast finale of this tour, is Saturday, May 18th at the Schubert Theater in Boston, Massachusetts. 2,000 seats, but we're going it. We'll sell it out. 
It's going to be really funny to rewind that tape if like 200 people show up. <laughs> Jimmy, remember that time you said you were going to sell out the Schubert? <laughs> well, God, if that happens, I'm going to get Lucy back on the phone. Are you kidding it? You're just another dirtbag. It'll be a mess. But right now, uh, we begin the show. Oddly enough, we begin the show in New Hampshire because everybody who was in Iowa has found their way to a plane one way or the other, a plane, a train, or an automobile, and done their best to get the hell out of Iowa because they were freezing their nuts off. Uh, but the prevailing wisdom going into Iowa was that Trump would win this thing in a rout, as Bill Hammer, the man who works the board on election night, predicted on this show. It would come down to whether or not Trump got 50%, with the metric being 50% for Trump was such an astounding victory, it had essentially left no room for anyone to catch him because if, in fact, they all drop out, their combined support probably wouldn't be enough to get him. Okay, as we head into New Hampshire right now, it's Trump, it's Haley, and DeSantis. Vivek Ramaswamy has dropped out, thrown his weight behind Trump. Let me give you some of the sound, and let me tell you what we learned, okay? What we learned last night in terms of Trump's support is nothing. We learned nothing. Something I have told you from word one when it comes to his relationship with voters is it's something we've never seen before in politics. Okay. Trump does a million rallies. He meets everybody. He takes every picture. He's a very accessible president. Okay, he has a unique relationship with voters, so much so that we weren't concerned about him getting support. Oh, the weather could be bad. Now, to be clear, They got a stunningly low turnout in Iowa. They were expecting somewhere between 165,000 and 200,000 voters. They only got 110,000. Now, you can tell me that was weather-related. You can tell me a lot of people didn't turn out because they knew Trump was going to win. And to be clear, he was declared the, the winner minutes, minutes after the caucus began because the support was that overwhelming. But the thing we were we learned is Trump really does have a lock on the party. And it only gets stronger every day that Joe Biden is in the White House because Biden is the best surrogate for a Trump presidency he could ever hope to have. Biden sucks. Exactly. If the president in office is polling at 33 percent and 76 percent of the country thinks we're headed in the wrong direction, it's really easy to sell the previous president. And that's what Haley ran into. That's what DeSantis is running into. Okay, if you're voting for them, you're buying on spec. You don't know what their presidency will look like. You think you have an idea based on how DeSantis governed in Florida or based on how Nikki Haley governed in South Carolina, where she was a very effective governor. Okay, but Trump is a known commodity in the Oval Office. And a lot of people seeing that juxtaposition between what we had and what we have are just 100 percent on board for Trump. It can snow. You can give him a pandemic. Doesn't matter. Okay. When 2020 came, if you remember, and we were told, well, we've got to change the way we vote. There's a pandemic. People aren't going to show up to the polls. Trump's voters voted overwhelmingly in person at a time when the media was like, if you walk out of the house, you'll die of COVID immediately. But anybody who's called you in the last two weeks will catch COVID through the phone and die, too. It's bad out there. Okay, there was so much COVID hysteria in the run up to the 2020 election. But Trump was still doing four or five rallies a day and they were all selling out. Okay, that is a testament to the relationship, to the connection he has with the rank and file voter in this country, because what they see in Donald Trump is a lot of what mirrors their everyday life. Okay, I analyze Trump through the prism of sports. Okay, through the prism, through the lens of sports. And what I mean by that is he is a guy that's taken on every challenger. 
Okay, you know how Joe Frazier would eat a million jabs to the head because he knew if he got close enough, he could land one left hook and he'd be the heavyweight champion of the world. That's Donald Trump. He takes shot after shot after shot because he gets close enough and heaven forbid throws that left hook. It's over. Okay, we saw it in 2016. You know, his supporters would say we saw it in 2020. But ultimately, in the end, Biden did win the election. Wrong. Okay. well, the point is, Biden is the sitting president. He was inaugurated on January the 20th, 2021. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. Okay. but when people think of Trump taking shot after shot, challenge after challenge, criminal indictments, impeachments, Russia conspiracy hoaxes. It was made up by these sick people. But the guy just keeps going. Okay, he's a billionaire. Okay, he's got a supermodel wife that gets naked in magazines. Hubba, hubba. He owns a golf course. The point is, he really doesn't need to do this. You could tell me it's his ego, and I'd 100% agree with you. That being said, his ego has driven him to a level of competitiveness that people want out of this country. They want an America. That takes on all challenges. They want an America that lands people on the moon before anybody else can. They want an America. That's the peace through strength, you know, source that we've been in terms of providing some level of world stability in a post-World War II world. They want a respected America. And when they look around at this administration where we're figuring out the right pronouns for our military generals. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just... They're not respecting our country the way they used to. People don't look at us on the world stage as the team nobody wants to play. Okay, you know what happened yesterday for the billionth time since this Israel, uh, you know, Hamas conflict broke out? Okay, Houthi rebels attacked more of our installations, more drone strikes on our ships. We shot a few down, but you understand they continue to attack despite the fact that every day since October the 7th, Every prominent Democrat that's been put in front of a microphone has directly told Iran not to do it with the one word coordinated message of don't. That's what they said. And despite hearing this, despite them saying it to the world repetitively, the attacks continued to come. So when you hear, you know, don't, okay, understand that they hear do. Here it is, clip 33. What is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? Don't. Don't, don't, don't. What's the message to Iran? Don't. It was very important to send a very clear message to anyone who might seek to take advantage of the conflict in Gaza to threaten our personnel uh, here or anywhere else in the region. Don't do it. Okay, so that's everybody saying don't do it. Has Iran heeded that warning? The answer would be no. We've been attacked a hundred times. Since October, they continue. They don't respect us. Do you understand? What they respect is strength. I'm not shooting down diversity or tolerance or inclusion or year-round Pride Month. It's all wonderful. It's America. Do you, boo, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. Freedom! Love it. Okay, but the reality is the world is on fire. Because we have demonstrated repetitive weakness on the world stage. And in the process of doing so, we have not made Americans the top priority. Not even here in America, where the southern border is wide open enough that 8 million people have come in illegally. 
okay, backlogged the immigration courts for people that are actually trying to get citizenship by about 10 years, and in the process overwhelmed our inner cities where schools are now being closed to accommodate migrants, hotels are being shuttered, veterans are going homeless who fought for this country, they're on the streets, but the people who got smuggled in by the cartels are in the suites. That's what's going on right now. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America Last. So when you see Trump winning, going away, it's not so much a referendum on DeSantis. I don't think he's a great candidate, but the reason Trump is beating him as badly as he is is because we already know what a Trump presidency looks like. It looks a lot more like an America we can be proud of as opposed to the one we have now. And the truth is Trump getting elected is certainly going to lead to three billion die-ins outside the White House, women walking around in handmade costumes with the hats on, everybody saying we're all a bunch of white supremacists. But, you know, we live in a world where it might seem more important to focus on what people say than what they do, which is what Trump always gets in trouble for. But what Trump did, what he did when he wasn't tweeting on his toilet at two in the morning was secured the southern border. We didn't have a record level of fentanyl poisoning deaths in this country under Trump. We didn't decimate our domestic energy production under Trump. Okay, we didn't stumble our way into the brink of World War Three under Trump and two massive global conflicts that were indirectly subsidizing both sides of. Okay, Trump negotiated the end of the Afghan war, but did Trump agree to take the troops out ahead of the civilians? The answer would be no. Biden did that. Okay, so you understand that's the biggest problem we have right now is we were told the adults were back in the room, but the adults have destroyed the room. And you understand Trump is in court right now in New York. I saw his motorcade on the way to work this morning. Right there, he's staying at Trump Tower. He flew back from Iowa on his jet last night, and he's at Trump Tower this morning going down to do some civil work in the E. Jean Carroll jury selection. Then he's supposedly heading up to New Hampshire tonight for an event because he's indefatigable. Okay, Trump is a guy that just keeps coming. And the reason that resonates with the American voter with the person who supports them is because working class people have no choice but to just keep coming. You got a family, you got a farm, you got a small business, you got a job, you're a cop, you're a fireman, whatever you are, your teacher, you know, your dog groomer, I don't care, whatever you do, okay? You could be a, a matchmaker, you could arrange dates for members of Hamas. <laughs> The point is, you have no choice tomorrow morning but to keep on going, okay? And it resonates with people in a way that elites can't do it. When you see Joe Biden spend 40% of his presidency on a Delaware beach with no shirt on, showing the world his C-cup breasts, okay, it doesn't resonate with the rank-and-file guy who's getting punched in the soul by his alarm clock every morning. Okay, Trump certainly doesn't have to answer that alarm clock. He can afford to hit the snooze button, but he doesn't. Okay, because it's not how he's wired and it's not how the American people are wired. And it's why they can't stop the guy. Bingo, man. Bingo. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A very inventive, troubled comedian. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. This is the third time we've won. But this is the biggest win. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. I can safely say, tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Thank you, Iowa. We're going to continue on. We're going to make you proud. And we're off to New Hampshire. We are going to suspend this presidential campaign. I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. So that was Vivek. Gone. Nikki Haley, I think, is the best line of the whole thing. She says this is a two-horse race. <laughs> I actually, I personally like Nikki Haley. I have her on the show. But if you've listened to the show long enough, you know I don't owe any politician my loyalty. How she comes in third and says a message has been clear. Yeah, it's a, if, by her metric, if this is a two-horse race, uh, that would mean Trump and DeSantis. Correct the mundo. <laughs> DeSantis beat her. Uh, he did. Listen. He needed that second-place finish bad. Okay, I'm not telling you he's going to be the nominee because the likelihood of him skipping New Hampshire altogether is pretty high because he's trying to circle the wagons down in South Carolina where he has a good deal of endorsements, although he doesn't have the governor's endorsement because that went to Trump. So by no means is DeSantis in a good position right now. Trump is in the best position. He has a unique relationship with the voters. He has a presidency he can already trade off of. And most importantly, he has the greatest campaign surrogate in the history of modern presidential politics. That surrogate's name is Joe Biden. I agree with that. Biden is the worst president we've ever seen. Now, most people don't believe he's in charge, but that's another problem with this presidency, the whole too many cooks in the kitchen deal. Bureaucrats are running this country. Okay, Biden has spent 40 percent of his presidency on vacation. The White House called the lid today at 10 a.m. in the morning. That's not right. Okay, I mean, think about that. We're supposed to believe this guy's working hard. You know, Joe Biden's going to deliver for the American people. And he technically has. Because of Biden's economy, a lot of Americans have been forced to get delivery jobs on the side to make ends meet. And that's the best thing Trump has going for him. Biden is such a disaster. Letting the guitars roll. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who's not completely full of <laughs> no, ma'am, but Rachel Maddow is. That's true. That is true. So Trump gets his big win last night out in Iowa, gets above the 50% threshold, which for all intents and purposes really might just end this once and for all. Okay. Winning a state 
usually increases your support in the next state. Uh, And if you don't overachieve, you usually underachieve in the next state. You take a step backwards. So the prevailing sentiment was that Nikki Haley was going to come in second, finish off DeSantis in Iowa, and then she would walk into New Hampshire with a lot more momentum. (laughs) Didn't happen. She came in third and then with a straight face went on TV. (laughs) I can't. And I like her. But she went on TV and said it's now a two-horse race. Okay, it's now a two-horse race. She won one county. So Trump won 99% of the counties. Nikki won one county by one vote and said the voters of Iowa sent a strong message. I mean, dude, I watched it and I was just like, what? the hell were you thinking? But that's politics. And you're trying to establish some momentum going into New Hampshire. And I expect her to do better than DeSantis in New Hampshire. But the fact remains, you have to beat Trump. And if you haven't beat Trump, then it doesn't matter if you had an inspiring second place or an inspiring third place. The bottom line is you didn't have first place. Bingo. That's the issue. So as Trump gets up last night to give his victory speech, I just I find this so fabulous. Okay, my favorite things, my favorite thing in the world about my life right now in terms of my career working in media uh, is that I'm a regular person. I mean, I have no formal broadcast training. You listen to the show. There's no way you go. Oh, no, that guy went to school for this. There's no way. Okay, I'm just a regular person. I see the world through the same lens as you. So when people are just frauds. Just, you know, we're talking heights of absurdity. And it's so glaring to regular people who have to get by on street sense. Hey, is this guy trying to rip off my family? You know, they're giving me the business on this deal. What's going on here? That's most of what you and I have to go on in life. We can't make critical life decisions like politicians. Where we go, I'm thinking about making this deal. Let's bring in a focus group of 50 people. Let's hire a bunch of fancy consultants. Let's have a board meeting. No. Okay, my life has been a series of meetings over a checkbook with Jenny. Most of the times, not even with Jenny, just me, because she's crazy enough to let me run things. (laughs) I don't know why. Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't I let the guy I met in the casino uh, doing stand-up comedy be in charge of the family finances? That's stupid. Use your common sense. But the fact remains, any decision I've had to make between there and here did not involve an army of consultants. Okay, you do not have an army of consultants. You work a lot on your gut. You work a lot on the way you were raised, self-reliance, personal responsibility, hold yourself accountable, and to some extent, go with your gut. How does this energy feel when I'm asked to sign this deal? You know, that's a lot of what you and me have to go on. So when I see somebody who's just a performative fraud, it really leaps off the page at me. Which brings me to Rachel Maddow last night. So Rachel Maddow, as Trump gets out there to give his victory speech, Rachel Maddow, okay, says, I'm not going to air this speech because I do not stand for the broadcast of lies. You are so full of shit. That's Rachel Maddow. Now, I don't know what this policy was when she spent three years saying Vladimir Putin controlled the American government with a straight face. And she wasn't saying so on spec, to be clear. She was saying it was settled law. She was saying that Adam Schiff had nailed that down. Here's the clip, just so we're all on the same page. Clip four. The top Democrat on intelligence today, Adam Schiff, took the occasion of this open hearing with these social media 
companies today. He took this occasion to nail down the other most important part of this. Whether the Trump campaign colluded with Russia in any aspect of its influence operations. Now, that is still often described as an open question, right? But it's really not anymore. And Congressman Adam Schiff took the occasion of having that open hearing today basically to nail that point to the wall. He just off and, and went there. He laid it all out in his opening statement for the record in an open session. Boom, boom, boom. The Kremlin offered dirt to the Trump campaign. The president's campaign said yes to that offer. That's no longer an open question. All that stuff has now been proven and admitted to. Adam Schiff, the top Democrat in the House Intelligence Committee today, using his time today, using his opening statement today to walk through, ding, 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 point by point, what we've already learned in black and white, in written correspondence, in public statements, and in freaking court filings about all the times the Trump campaign was offered help by Russia to influence our election, and all the times the Trump campaign said, yes, please. I mean, dude. This is Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes? That's all, folks. Looney Tunes. Okay. Did Adam Schiff ever prove in writing that Trump colluded with Russia? The answer would be no. Did they ever settle it point by point? Ding, ding, ding. Boom, boom, boom. The answer would be no. We're living in the death of shame because she said that every night on TV for three years. Okay, that we proved it was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's not an open question. Adam Schiff nailed that point to the wall. That is a fact check false. Do you understand how insane that is? Okay, this is the same Rachel Maddow that told you Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. (laughs) This is the same Rachel Maddow who said you deserve to be fired from your job if you don't get vaccinated because vaccinated people can't catch COVID. It means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were right. Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person, potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. You told some of the biggest lies that I've ever heard of in my whole life. Now the macho man's upset. Although I should correct the record, because if he was wrestling today, he would have to be the macho them. Can't just throw a gender in there with pro wrestling. What are you guys doing here? Okay, but stick with me. This woman literally lit the country on fire with no regard for the effect that it had on the country by telling you every night Trump was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin. Here's a news flash. Everyone, everyone running the Mueller probe knew that it was made up on complete garbage. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. And I play that clip. Why? Because everybody knows the Russian collusion hoax. This has been testified to under oath was started by the Clinton campaign. They went to the FBI as concerned citizens. 
That's what they said. They said, hey, we're not here on behalf of the Clinton campaign. We're concerned citizens, and we've heard that the Trump campaign is back-channeling with Russia. And as concerned citizens, we're just dropping this off because we'd hate to see something happen the election. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. At which point, the Clinton campaign then contacted the media, the Rachel Maddows of the world, and said, oh, by the way, we've just heard a rumor that the FBI is investigating a link between Trump and Russia. That's just how white folks will do you. And that's how they did us, the whole country. They made up the story, handed it to the FBI, leaked the FBI document to the press, and we spent the next three years pretending Trump was in bed with Russia. Now, understand, that's a soft coup. That is not, okay, a genuine investigation. That is not like intellectual curiosity. That is not follow the money. That is not follow the facts. That is a death by a thousand cuts scenario where they were hoping to get Donald Trump to self-destruct, fire Robert Mueller, and create the perception that there was a there, there. Tell it like it is. Okay, that's what they were going for. They knew there wasn't collusion. The probe wasn't designed to reach its end. The process was the punishment. Get Trump to disqualify himself, because if he fires Mueller, we can all jump in and be like, oh, see, that's why he fired him, guys. He had something to hide. He knew they were going to get him. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Guys, it's really evil. Like, it's evil. It's really evil. I don't care if Trump calls Rosie O'Donnell a horse face or whatever he said about Stormy Dan. I know he says bad language. But he's not doing the things to the country that they're doing in an effort to stop him. They have manufactured a hysteria around this man that they think gives them permission to do unprecedented things. Hey, we've never indicted a president in 247-year history of the country. We'll indict this one 91 times because we pretended he was Hitler. You know, that's what's going on. It doesn't mean what Trump says is okay. It doesn't mean Trump is a choir boy. But the fact that Trump's a little nuts doesn't give them permission to go crazier. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, so last night, okay, here is Rachel Maddow. One more. This is March of 2017. Telling you the Steele dossier gets corroborated more and more each day. You're not telling me the truth. Guys, just so we're clear. The Mueller probe concluded that the FBI offered Christopher Steele a million dollars to corroborate a single solitary sentence of the dossier. Did he? Not even close. He turned down the offer. He turned it down. He didn't even, like, take the money, rip them off, and pretend corroborate, which they would have taken from him. He said, I don't have anything on this. This is opposition research drum up by the other campaign. But here she is on TV, March of 2017. Trump is a newly elected president. He's not two months into his presidency. She is on TV to an audience of millions of people that they've sold this hysteria to, going every day we find out more and more about this dossier. To be clear, they hadn't found out anything. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Clip three. And it was weird at the time. And yes, there was a lot else going on in presidential politics. It was the conventions, right? Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, as, as the Russia-Trump con- questions continued to percolate and ultimately got more acute over time, every day over the course of the news cycle, a new piece of it falls in place. Mm. And this is just the latest one. 
I mean, in, in the last couple of weeks and days, even into tonight, more pieces of it are falling into place. I mean, the Trump campaign used to deny that any of its staffers, anyone related to the Trump campaign, had any contact with any Russians during the campaign. Well, no. With each passing day, more parts of this dossier get corroborated, get supported by the facts. And previous denials by the Trump campaign, whether it's about Jeff Sessions, whether it's about Mike Flynn, whether it's about Carter Page, whether it's about that Ukraine platform, whether it's about Paul Manafort, their previous denials are all falling apart. I mean, good goodness. That was absolutely dreadful. Did the Jeff Sessions revelations bear a relationship between him and Russia? The answer would be no. Mike Flynn? The answer would be no. Carter Page? The answer would be no. But she's telling you every day, every, every day we've proven one of these things to be true. You know how they prove, prove them? Through anonymously sourced reports, meaning nobody went on record to say they were true, which is why the Mueller probe concluded that they didn't happen. And when they traced the origins of the Steele dossier, they realized, oh, wow, the whole thing was made up by the Clinton campaign. That's how it started. Okay, but understand, with nothing to go on, meaning no corroborated evidence, no witnesses, no physical documents, no bank records, they were willing to hold the country hostage for three years and say Russia controls our government. You're supposed to be the conspiracy theorist, you right-wing nut. You conspiracy theorist said the people who told you Russia controlled the government, said the people who told you the laptop was fake, that the vaccine blocked transmission. I'm not trying to get you worked up. I'm trying to help you guys understand how evil and dastardly the media is and how we're ultimately living in the death of shame. Because the same Rachel Maddow, understand, okay, who ran with nothing for three years to sell you impassioned pleas that Russia was in charge, won't give you a word on the fact that not only was the Hunter Biden laptop real, but Hunter Biden's actual business partners under oath and the penalty of perjury said they were selling access to the president through his son. Are you the big man, Joe? His business partner said yes. Rachel Maddow just gave you all those montages without a single source on record. But under oath, two business partners and two IRS whistleblowers under oath said Biden's selling influence. The Obama Treasury Department flagged their bank accounts 157 times for suspicious activity reports. We have wire transfers through 96 different shell companies, none of which have a declared business purposes, and somehow the money wound up with the grandkids in their bank accounts. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? You'd think they might be laundering money. But are you getting a word out of Rachel Maddow? Why? Because she is a circus clown. And when they cut away from Trump's speech last night, they're like, oh, we can't be airing lies on this channel. We don't do that to the American people. Rachel Maddow, you don't need a cutaway. You need a mirror, you pandering jackass. You are correct, sir. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, maybe. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Listen to this montage of the media. Clip two. 
We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump declaring victory with a historically strong showing in the Iowa caucuses. Here he is right now under under my voice. You hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. No. The projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. We will let you know if there's any news made in that speech. There is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. I'm surrounded by idiots. No, we couldn't air on this, you know, lies on this channel, you know, other than the Russia collusion, the, the impeachment, the, <laughs> the vaccine, you know, the laptop. I mean, dude, are you kidding me? But why are they doing that? Okay. We have activists masquerading as journalists. That's why they're doing it. They're trying to use their coverage as a means of shaming people away from, well, we can't even cover this. <laughs> can't even air it. It's an anti-immigrant screed. How dare a guy go on about the southern border and the fact that we've had a record level of fentanyl poisoning deaths? How dare he address that issue that's killing Americans at record numbers? Overwhelming inner city schools, crushing our infrastructure. How dare a man concern himself with such things? We can't air that kind of hatred on this show, on this network. Okay, that's the truth. That's what they're going with. And they want the people watching it, all the white people who watch MSNBC, self-hating white people, to be like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, no. I'm better than those folks. I, I'm not concerned about the border. Kill everybody with the fentanyl. I'm not going to be a racist like those guys who want people to stop dying from fentanyl. That's what they're doing. We're anti-lie, said Jake Tapper. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Boom, there it is, and here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We have stacked the deck. The human happy hour, Emily Campagno, is coming by just because I need to talk about the NFL playoffs during a short break. But Tudor Dixon, the heavyweight champion of Michigan, one of my favorite people anywhere. Uh, I'm also very fond of her mom because that's the kind of show we have. It's like the Olive Garden when you're here, your family. Tudor Dixon will stop by to react to the results in Iowa and look ahead to what's coming up in New Hampshire. And most importantly of all, uh, continue uh, to join me in mocking what is left of the journalist class in this country. Because I got to be honest, man, if you were watching the media reaction last night, they're crazy. They're not crazy. Okay, crazy would imply that they don't know what they're saying. The truth is they're just all full of it's all manipulative propaganda. And I'll explain why. And I'll explain why it's bad for you if you're a liberal. OK, if you are listening to the show for the first time, uh, you are not my enemy. No matter what, if you agree with me, if you disagree, we both live in America. We're Americans. We're on the same team. OK, I'm so sick of this right versus left thing, because if you look at it like it's football, one side's offense, one side's defense. At the end of the day, we've got to get out of this locker room and go win a game. And we can't do that right now because the offense is fighting with the defense and the rest of the world is just laughing at us. That's what's going on right now in this country. When you're right, you're right. and You're right. So when I see media efforts designed to manipulate public sentiment, OK, they really do leap out at me. Okay, we sit here all the time at Fox and get hell if we criticize Trump. We get hell if we criticize Republicans. Why? 
Okay, because there's this expectation out there that we just owe politicians our loyalty blindly. We don't. Okay, if you listen to this channel, if you watch it, you listen to it, if you walk around in this building, you realize Fox News were absolutely in the tank for one party. But that party is America. It's America. If something's happening and we think it's good for the country, we'll tell you. If we think it's bad for the country, we'll tell you. If we think it's good for the Republican Party, we'll tell you. If we think it's bad for the Republican Party, believe me, we'll tell you. This guy will say anything. How many times have you gotten mad at me for criticizing Trump? If I'm giving you an honest take, that's all I can do. I'm not. I don't owe anybody anything. It's not performance art, but it is everywhere else in the media. So here's the result last night. Trump wins historically in Iowa, historically in Iowa, gets over 50 percent of the vote. The Drudge Report frames it as half of Republicans didn't want Trump. That was embarrassing. While technically true that he got 50 percent of the vote and 50 percent didn't go to him, it's worth noting that there were technically five other candidates in the race. Number one, because Asa Hutchinson just dropped out today. A lot of people didn't know he was in it. Ramaswamy was in it. Okay, Christie was in it up until about an hour ago. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis. But the fact remains, we were told all week long, 50 percent is the threshold. He's got to get 50 percent. No way he gets 50 percent. Can you imagine if he gets 50 percent? And then he goes out and gets 50 percent and they try to frame it as some type of a failure. The media is a bunch of losers. Think about that. Never mind that the people reporting that 50 percent of Republicans didn't want Trump, which isn't the case, because if you look at the breakdown amongst voters, they were willing to vote for other. They were willing to vote for him if they didn't get their primary candidate. Okay, but getting past that is the reality that 67 percent of Democrats don't want Joe Biden to run again. Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. But Trump getting 50 percent in a caucus, widely contested, is considered a failure. But nearly 70 percent of Democrats don't even want the guy to run. And the media doesn't say a word. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. It's so embarrassing. But then when you start to get the reactions like the one we played in the previous hour, well, we can't play this Trump speech. He's lying said the people who told you Russia controlled our government. Think about that. They told you for three years this was an Austin Powers movie. You don't understand. Dr. Evil has control of the American government. Okay, for the people who want to call you a conspiracy theory, they told you for three years that Dr. Evil controlled the government. You shut your mouth, you bastard. That's what you're dealing with. Okay, so when I sit here and I talk about this stuff, like it's hilarious. Because you can see through it and you can see the sociopathic nature of these people and how hellbent they are on getting their way and how their children fighting for control of a toy they don't want to share. But they're fighting so hard they're ruining the toy. That's why the media with a straight face tells you you can defund the police. You've got to know that's bad for the country. There's no stats. There's no stats that say the cops are disproportionately killing minorities more than they're killing white people. You don't have that stat. You could call me up. I'd let you express it on the air, but you don't have the stat. It doesn't exist, yet they'd still put up or shut up. Nope, they won't put up. They can't shut up. Okay, they'll tell you with a straight face, men can have babies. That is a fact check false. But they'll tell you with a straight face in the media, men can have babies. Why? Because that became a battle line in our culture war. It's like, well, if the Republicans are saying this, we've just got to automatically say that that's how it works now the democratic party voted for border wall funding twice 
They voted for it under George W. Bush. They voted for it again under Barack Obama. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But the point is, having voted for border wall funding twice, when Trump said build a wall, they were like, that's racist. We should be building bridges and not walls. Democrats are so full of crap. But do you understand if your automatic position on an issue is the just whatever they say, we'll do the opposite. You're not operating with a greater good in mind. You're not operating with an eye on what's best for all Americans. You are sociopathically putting your political agenda against the well-being of the people you purport to care about. Guys, do you understand how bad the border is? I talk about it every day. People are taking drugs and dying immediately from fentanyl. They're not overdosing as if they three-day party and a heart gave out in day four. No, no. These are kids who have a college term paper to write that are exhausted that pop an Adderall and die. Okay, that's what's going on right now with fentanyl in this country. We've had it happen over 200,000 times in the past year. For all the things they tell you about January 6th, one person died on January 6th, an unarmed Trump supporter named Ashley Babbitt who got shot in the throat. That doesn't mean I think January 6th is good. That doesn't mean it should be swept under the rug. That doesn't mean I'm giving them a free pass. Believe me, I spent the whole summer of 2020 condemning political violence when Black Lives Matter rallies caused $42 billion, okay, excuse me, $10 $10 billion worth of damage and up to 42 deaths. Okay, I was condemning political violence. But you understand fentanyl kills 200,000 people coming across the border, non-entity. Why? Because it's the result of a democratic policy. When you look at the soaring crime rates in inner cities right now, non-entity. Why? Because it's the end result of democratic policies. They're willing to let the people die. They're willing to let the border towns get overwhelmed. We're only hearing a word about the border now because all the people who declared themselves sanctuary cities and said they'll take in any migrant you send them now have to take them, at which point they don't want them anymore. What a fraud. Why? Because they were calling themselves sanctuary cities as a means of attacking Trump for securing the border. But they knew in real time they wouldn't have to take migrants because if he's securing the border, we're not going to have an overflow. Now Biden's in office and all the people that are asked to be sanctuary cities, okay, actually have to become sanctuary cities, at which point they're saying, get them out of here. Get them out. We don't want them. What do you mean? We can't have it. Greg Abbott, how dare you? Okay, 8 million people have crossed this border illegally. Okay, the first 7 million were Texas's problem. Once Texas started relocating them, the Democrats, the ones who said they wanted them, were like, oh, hell no. This is human trafficking. Come on, Greg Abbott. Have some respect. These are people. These are human beings. Okay, that's who the Democrats are. They're willing to do and say anything. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And I'm not saying that to get you all hopped up. I'm just a dude. I look like I get paid in Tide Pods and tequila. Okay, but that is reality. And as you sit here right now and see them try to frame the story, Okay, manipulate sentiment. We can't show Trump's victory speech because he's lying. Oh, really? The people who still tell us January 6th was a deadly white supremacist insurrection? Guys, they didn't try to overthrow the government with no weapons. They were unarmed. Well, I saw a guy swinging a fire extinguisher. Hey, that's not good. I don't condone that. But are you really going to tell me with a straight face in a country where the uh, defense budget is $11 trillion dollars? That we were overthrowing the government with one guy with a fire extinguisher and another guy in a Chewbacca bikini? It wasn't going to happen that way. But they repurposed the events 
and told it so many times that they were able to sell the world on the idea that they were overthrowing the government. The only problem in that moment with Trump overthrowing the government on January the 6th, 2021, is that he was already in charge of it. I think he's got a point. He was in charge on that day. Okay, it's so insane what they're attempting to sell you with no regard for how it inflames tensions. You understand? We live in an era where people's emotions are their facts. Everything we do now is a branding exercise because of the smartphone and social media. So there are people, and I understand these people, who like the self-righteousness, the moral superiority that comes with being a liberal. Okay? Well, I'm the one saving the planet. I care, unlike these people. I can control the weather. I'm telling you. Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. But they don't think of that in that terms. They just think, you know, let's not get into the logic of whether or not I can control the weather. Let's just take this from a standpoint of we'd like to on this side. The other guys aren't willing to give up all their freedom so we can attempt to do this fool's errand of controlling the weather. But there's a moral superiority that comes with that. I'm saving the planet. The other guys are a bunch of racists. I'm with the Democrats, the party of the Klan. Joe Biden's our president. He eulogized a Klan member named Robert Byrd. He fought against segregated, uh, fought for segregated school busing in the 70s to the death politically. Okay. I'm against rigorous policing because it disproportionately targets black people. I'm a Democrat. Joe Biden's the president. He wrote the 1994 Biden crime bill, a bill that has pot smokers doing life in prison, the vast majority of whom are black. Okay, but they like the moral superiority. They don't care that they're wrong because they've never questioned whether or not they were right. They just want to feel good about themselves. That's why I'm telling you I don't see liberals as my enemy. Liberals think they're saving the world. They feel good. They're on the right side of every issue because they have an empathy and a compassion. They think it's compassionate to let people come into this country illegally when the reality is it's created a humanitarian crisis that's led to a record level of cartel money in when it comes to human trafficking, women being sexually assaulted, and Americans overdosing and dying from fentanyl poisonings. But in their head, they're just trying to help. The problem is the more they pretend to help, the more the rest of us are getting hurt. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Boom! There it is, Fox Across America with the Saturday Night Kid, Jimmy Fallon, joining me now. One of the stars of my debut episode, the woman who won the yellow jacket, Emily Campagno in the house. Hey, girl. I love that. I'm like the Curious George character. Yeah, The yeah. man with the yellow hat. Yeah. I am now officially the woman with the yellow jacket. The first recipient of the yellow jacket was you yes. uh, for a strong showing on the show. And I know you guys, this is fun about the show is, uh, no one knew that was a thing. Like, you just <laughs> found out about it li- on live TV. So back in the garage, I had a couple of dirtbag taxi buddies uh, who gave out the yellow jacket. 
And uh, it was basically like if you had the best shift or like for real, somebody hooked up with a passenger. Like you did something noteworthy is the point. I don't mean in the jacket. Like they use the jacket as like a blanket, obviously. No, no I vomited kidding. just But on the, the point <laughs> is the metrics by which these dirty old men who drive taxis judge a quality shift would determine who got the yellow jacket. So there was a guy, Mike, who started this, who's a great story. He used to take his taxi right to off-track betting, and he would gamble for the night. And if he was up money, he brought the taxi back to the garage. If he was down, he had to go make back his losses. He was like an old retiree who drove a cab. So he was the guy who started these types of traditions. You dig? Yeah. He was the atmosphere. And uh, they used to refer to me in the garage as Mr. Laughs because I was an aspiring comedian. So we'd go, oh, Mr. Laughs, yeah? You still getting paid in chicken fingers? And, like, now I have to find him and be like, hey, Mr. Laughs is on a billboard. In time- Actually, he's on two billboards in Times Square. That's but, right. But we're not here to dunk on my cab buddies. We're here because you're the host of the Fox True Crime Podcast. We just finished the Iowa caucuses. Okay, but as everybody's wrapping up and heading to New Hampshire, I do believe you have an episode that focuses pretty heavily on Iowa this week. I do. Give it and what's so great is the reason that I know about it is because of a radio station in Iowa that said, hey, this is something we, we care about. We talk about all the time. Can you guys do it? So cut to we're doing it, which is the case of Jody Husentrout. Mm-hmm. She was a, and everyone, this is not prophetic for us. Mm-hmm. She was a TV anchor. Oh, man. And one morning, she just didn't show up for her daybreak show. She hosted the morning show. And the, the saddest part is she had actually sort of overslept that day. So the station called her. She picks up. And she's like, ah, I'm on my way. I'll be there. And she never made it. And they called the cops. Cops come and they find all of her stuff strewn about her car and she's disappeared and they didn't even have a person of interest. To this day, she's been missing. So I give you the case of the missing Jody Husentrout and I also give you information on how to, if you know something, if you know anything, if no tip is too small, who to contact and how to contact and it's an incredible episode. And that was Iowa, Mason City, Iowa. Wow, that sounds amazing. Uh, I know last night, if you looked around at the results, a lot of people's voters went missing at the polls. Uh, <laughs> Trump won about 50% <laughs> of the vote, which was nice because it was over so early. We could go watch NFL football. Yeah, we could. I mean, I love the playoffs so much. I'm so excited. Obviously, you're a Raider fan. Lincoln Steelers went down against the Bills. So what angle do you take the rest of the way in the playoffs? Do you have a team to root for? Do you care? Yeah, and it's all about who I hate more. Okay. Okay, fair. Um, okay, so a couple disjointed points. Number one, the Steelers last night, um, that game, it actually sort of reminded me of the Husky-Michigan game mm-hmm. where we're just watching a team. The Bills were more physical. They looked less injured, and they were just beating up on the Steelers. Yeah, and we were, were watching wild. the Steelers just drop like flies. They, yeah. And that's how I felt Michigan looked against Huskies. Not okay. to conflate, mm-hmm, you know, fair. leagues here. Um, and then so moving forward, I'm Bills all the way, man. You yeah. know why? Mm-hmm. Because they did deserve it they have good fans yeah they never do. won exactly i'm in the same boat with the lions they're good people and they've never won but I it's mean, like the bills have lost a lot of super bowls so it's like for the lions you could take them getting to one would be exciting the bills just winning one after all of the times they've been a bridesmaid the bills are the 27 yeah. dresses of the nfl that's right <laughs> such a great point and that's why i feel like everyone wants to see them win a lot of times at the end of the day the two teams in the super bowl half the country doesn't care yeah. half the country is exhausted by having the same name shoved mm-hmm. down in their throat the same franchises chiefs i'm looking at you uh-huh. so i think it would be amazing <laughs> if, if the bills eventually get there it would be sort of like the boston yankees world series where the only people rooting for the yankees were actual yankees fans because yeah. the rest of the world saw the <laughs> 
potential for Boston is what it was. Yeah. So I'm I'm Bills all the way, but look, again, you've been a bridesmaid a hundred times and yeah. a wedding and your friend gets engaged, you're not necessarily hoping that it's gonna be you. But. Yeah, well the nice thing is they already own the dress at this point. <laughs> there's there's no color the bride can choose for the bridal party that they don't have a color of that dress at this point. It has been rough. I will continue to root as I do for whoever covers the spread, as you know. But I'm so excited to watch bills. it. Yeah, so if you're in town, we'll probably have a football party this we'll weekend. You, I might be busy Saturday night because I have this huge TV show now. But, you know, other than that, oh, kid, we'll you. work it no, out. I'll be in Vegas. Oh, hot. Good for you. That's right. Emily Campagno. I just got you guys. It was an impulse buy. I can't remember if I was drunk or not, to be honest. It was like midnight. And I bought these sequin high cowboy boots. Oh, yeah, you did. I'm Silver cutting you off. with a Raider we got shield a lot of on truckers them. trying to stay on the road right now. We're out of here. <laughs> Oh, the guitars are going hard. It's joining us now. It doesn't get any more rock and roll than our next guest, political powerhouse. Someone who, honestly, has probably the highest security clearance in my administration. Her and her mom have hung out in my green room. And i got to be honest, it was pretty hot, at least the mom part. Tudor Dixon is on the line. Hey, girl. Hey, congratulations. I hear there's congratulations in order. Well, I hear that I need a new booker on my show. <laughs> I know, right? Can you confirm for the American people we're going to see you on Fox News Saturday night? Of course. Yes, you will. You, so, I mean, you better. <laughs> are you like, okay, just funny story. So uh, Rebecca, who would be the point of contact or Chelsea on the on the staff, we're like, you know, we got Tudor Dixon for the panel. I hope that's okay. I'm like, Tudor Dixon is my only friend. I'm like, what are you talking? No, no, for real. Like, well, this is the this is the way the show works. Just so you get it, okay? I'm giving you real insider trading information here. Uh, when they told me that I was getting my own show, which is obviously you know a big deal, is really exciting. But like, I want the vibe of the show to be this. I want it to be this radio show on camera. So I basically gave them a list of like twelve people that'll be on the show until they take the show away from me. You know, because I know we'll consistently have a good time every week. So uh, let's go, Dixon. This is our moment. Is Whitney Houston once sang one moment in time? I believe she was referring to this and not the time she OD'd in the tub. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. You know, I'm a huge Whitney Houston me too. fan, and that was devastating to me. What, me too. People make fun of me. They're like, you didn't know her. I'm like, oh, yes, I did. Yeah, you did. You felt like you knew her. And all right, so let's talk about right. Whitney for a minute, and then we'll get into Iowa. Whitney Houston sang the greatest national anthem in the history of the Super Bowl, the one before the Giants game against the Buffalo Bills down in Tampa. Do you remember that? The Whitney Star Spangled yeah, Banner? I, I do, and I think that, honestly, the People who are Swifties now have no idea what they missed. Yeah, well, this is the deal. Whitney didn't have social media to make her multiply like a gremlin, but she (laughs) sang, you know, in terms of popularity, but she sang with a lot more heart and feeling than anything you listen to in this era. Like Taylor Swift is obviously a megastar, but she's not in the class of Whitney Houston in terms of a singer. No way. No, she was magical. She really was. I really did think that she was just, so and she was beautiful and you just you just loved her. Like so, there was something about her that you just loved. Kind of like something that happened in Iowa. Oh, there you go. So I will say this though, because she was. She was singing all the hits and I, I loved I love Whitney Houston. And she actually hearkened back to a better time because her one moment in time song was about the Olympics. Because there was a time when this country unified around sports. Like she was one of those people who was okay with you liking the country. And uh we need a little more of that out of our pop culture 
that was okay back when we were growing up. It was all right. I mean, when did it, that change? That actually, I think, is the saddest thing yep. that you can't. And the other day, um, my daughter said to me, she said, Mom, do you think that I'm really ungrateful? And I said, why do you say that? And she said, because I keep seeing that all of the white kids are ungrateful. And I'm like, oh, man, gosh, it's just a mess now. You, yeah. Social media makes you think all kinds of sad things. And I was like, yeah, you're totally ungrateful. Yeah, listen, if social media was as influential as people think it is, we'd be swearing in Vivek Ramaswamy as the Republican nominee right now. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. It's, no, I mean, I've seen people that are like, this is why Twitter is not real life because nope. of what we just saw. Nope, not even close. And I try to explain that. It's good that Elon restored free speech because we needed that. But it's bad that the Republicans are dominating to the extent that they are because the people getting 50,000 likes on every Every tweet have everyone else believing, wow, they must really, you know, be on to something here. But they're not on to something. Like, we all thought there was going to be a red wave in the midterms. And uh, I don't know if you heard, uh, but it wasn't exactly that Starburst commercial we were expecting to see. But getting, I noticed. Yeah. I noticed. <laughs> funny. Funny you should say that. But uh, we take we take it a step forward. So last night, okay, moments that, I, that resonate with me that I find funny, okay, Obviously, Trump getting to 50 percent seemed to be the benchmark. He got it. That sends us into New Hampshire. You know, Nikki Haley with a straight face said it was a two horse race after coming in third. Now, she either meant Trump and DeSantis uh, or I don't know. But my question to you is, is it even a two horse race if he wins New Hampshire? Is it just a one horse? Are we just watching Secretariat lap the field? I mean, was it a two-horse race last night? Let's face it. We've never seen what we saw last night. And it's very, very reminiscent of 2016 where people were like, oh, no, there's no chance. And and I think it's different this time because people are like, oh, I've seen that movie. It doesn't happen twice. There's yeah. not that kind of magic with one person. And I got to tell you, I mean, it, it has blown people's minds. I know people that are like, how could this be? But having lived the campaign trail – and talking to people who are like, hey, this guy gave up everything. I think that's the, that is the thing that resonates with people most. Like, he had the American dream. He had everything. He didn't have to do this. No. But he did it for us. Well, the point is, too, it's like if he did it – and we're talking to Tudor Dixon, by the way. If, if he did it for himself, it doesn't matter. The point is – he is willing to get out there and fight in a way that inspires Americans because we don't feel like this country is standing up for itself right now. You know, when every day someone in the Biden administration tells Iran don't and then we get a Houthi drone attack in response, we don't feel respected. Like Afghanistan didn't make us feel respected, you know, and I think that's part of the problem is a guy that wants to fight at a time when the world is on fire really does invigorate a lot of people. That's one. And then two is just the other, you know, political persecution aspect of the whole thing is there's no serious person that's watching the prosecution of Donald Trump and doesn't walk away from it feeling like it's the the, the Russia probe 2.0. Of course. I mean, people look at this and they're like, what man could withstand this? And then the flip side of that is women have been afraid to travel on the airplane ever since Joe Biden got into office for fear one of his staffers will steal our suitcases. <laughs> it's funny that it's women because the person stealing them, I don't know that he would be a woman. I think he's like gender fluid. It's an interesting look, uh, the guy we're talking about here. Uh, which, Great, but which, he likes he likes designer clothes. Forgive me for this, but I the, would be fine. No, the the Biden administration, as I've said on this show, they gave him a pink slip, and he put it on. 
Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, Tudor Dixon. But yes, it's the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive. And the truth is, as we head into New Hampshire now, okay, you could tell me there's a race for second, but I don't think we're looking at a race for first because my my experience is Trump's, you know, he pseudo overachieved in Iowa, okay? If Nikki Haley is the closest thing to catching him, I don't know that her support goes up in New Hampshire based on the fact that she underachieved in Iowa. What do you think there? I just think it's so silly that we're having this conversation when we see him this far ahead of them. You know, at some point you have to say, okay, maybe I thought the polls were lying, but now I've seen it in real life. I've seen the voters and and maybe you stay another state. But come on. I mean, we know what direction this is going. Like I said, we've seen this movie. It's going to happen again. And I, I will tell you that I think Ron DeSantis has people that love him. People in Florida love him. If he continues to go up against Trump, his chances of doing this again in 28 or some other time, they're done because Trump will destroy him. He will make enemies. People won't like the division, and it'll just be over. If he steps out now and endorses Trump, that's his best bet. That's what needs to happen. People want to see unity now. Democrats have unity. It's pretty clear what's going to happen. They want unity. We'll see what happens with the people in the race. But I think Vivek made a good decision, and we'll see what happens. I'm sure he'll be out there stumping for Trump soon. Yeah, he'll be stumping. Um, You know, obviously, there's probably an offer coming from the new Sharknado. But uh, if he doesn't star in that film, you know, there's some relevance to be gained here. you got to cash in some of that. Uh, but, no, I think he will. I think he will stump for Trump. And I think what's ultimately going to happen is Trump will get the nomination long before Super Tuesday. He's obviously going to spend a lot of time in court. I still don't believe he's running against Biden. Don't you think they're doing everything they can behind the scenes? Like when you hear Obama surrogates talking about Biden being too old, isn't that kind of – you know, Obama sending the message through his surrogates that they really want the party to consider somebody else? Oh, absolutely. I hear that. And it freaks me out because I'm like, now you have the people who are controlling Joe Biden saying we're done with Joe Biden. Yeah, and, and, you know, everybody will say, well, Joe will stand up and he'll say he can't be replaced. I mean, is somebody going to stand him up? You know, well, give me a break. Does Joe know what's happening day to day? Now, Jill may be sitting standing in front of him and saying, no, no, you're not going to take us out of the White House. But Obama is going to make that decision. And you you have to watch the behind the scenes here. They've gone from different – they've tested out different candidates. Let's be honest. They tested out Gavin Newsom, and he knocked the kid over in China, and they're like, oh, we can't have him. (laughs) And then they go to and they're like, she's just a disaster. But look now, who are they – who are they backing now? Mm. Andy Bashir just but he just started up a federal pack yeah. and he's kind of perfect. Yeah. Cuz it's well what you why do you say he's perfect? Cuz my reasoning would be that he's kind of an unknown and they can build a persona around him. What is is that overlap? He's got with, that midwestern vibe and he's got a really high favorability and he's running in a I mean, he's running a red state right now. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it, uh, Kentucky is a Red state. So for him to go in there and be well liked by Kentuckians, that means that he has a good chance of coming out as a moderate. You know, that's yeah. what they played Joe Biden as. Yeah, no, that would make sense. And he's 46, so he's young, which kind of, if Trump becomes the nominee, the one thing the Democrats do well is 
is the Republicans have spent three years saying Biden's too old. If Trump becomes the nominee and they put a 46-year-old in there, they can yell that Trump's too old. They can take the Republican playbook and turn it against him. Now, I don't know that Andy Bashir is going to fire people up, but Kentucky does have the bourbon trail. So if you pass out enough whiskey, I mean, I you know, they're not above buying a vote. <laughs> they're not above, you know, cashing in uh, some currency. I don't know. But I, you're probably not wrong to make a prediction there because there's no person in their right mind who thinks Biden has four more years of this in him. Not one person. Okay, this president called a lid today at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. The world's on fire. We're good at 10 a.m. And they're watching Bonanza right now. So they would normally be cheering on Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. But I mean, she's out there watching the school buses drive by and they're like, come on, Kamala, come away from the window. (laughs) Tudor Dixon. Are you going to be doing stand-up at the Holland Civic Center this summer? Is this what I'm learning? Are you taking yes, over? Yeah, I'm trying to get you to come, yeah. Now that I can't tour as much, are you going to fill in some of the dates I can't do? Yes, I love this. I, yes. I love this. I'm trying to learn from you. Well, the next time we get together, it'll be on a TV couch. You'll be on the hottest show in all the cable news. I mean, think about oh, that. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. I know. It's gonna, And you're going so to be on with two of my favorite dirtbag comics. Uh, one of them is phenomenal. He was at the Emmys the last couple of days writing for Hollywood, and the other is a comedy club legend who will probably be wearing a fur coat, just so you know what you're getting yourself into. But uh, it's just an, it's just a, it's what I described it as. It's a cable news keg party. So bring your solo. I'm always, I always meet the best dirtbags when I'm around. <laughs> yeah, Trump said I hire the best people. Tudor Dixon, I hang with the best dirtbags. I love it. That's why, that's why we have you in. Uh, Tudor, I miss you already, but I'll see you next week in hair and makeup. Okay, sounds good. Be good, girlfriend. There she goes. The great Tudor Dixon, uh, who you will see next on Fox News Saturday night with Jimmy Fallon. What a hot show. Hot show, man. Uh, Nobody knows better than our next caller who is on the road. He's in St. Louis, Missouri. Michael! Jimmy! My man. Thanks for making me follow the great Tudor Dixon and my girl Emily Campagna. Thanks a lot, Well, I figured you wanted to. (laughs) I figured you were trying to sniff the studio through the phone, you creep. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. Hey, your analysis, buddy, is spot on, my man. Come on. You come for the laughs and you stay for the common sense comments on the news. You're fantastic. So look. What you said about Rachel Maddow is so correct. But you know you're only talking about 20 or 30 people watching her, right? <laughs> I mean, there there are more people standing outside on the street looking in at Fox News than watching MSDNC, right? Oh, you know, right? Like, <laughs> fired up today. <laughs> so uh, look, so um, look, did you notice anything different? about what Trump said last night after the dust had settled and, you know, he had uh, been called the winner. Did you notice anything? Let me think about this. I really am going to think about this. Um, he didn't call anyone's wife a pig. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but go ahead. Well, what a, well, what a, that's, what a, that's a good start. <laughs> that's new. That's a new well, Trump. Go ahead. I, I, yeah, I, I thought he was very conciliatory, no name-calling, talking about bringing the country together. And to me, buddy, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a moderation in what he says out loud to people. You know, like last week, last week, the interview with uh, 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 Brett and Martha, mm-hmm. uh, he was kind of joking, had a smile on his face, didn't seem mad about things. Yep. And that's
that's what I'm looking for. He, he's a smart guy, and I hope he realizes that he needs to change his approach this year versus what, what he did back in 15 and 16. Well, you know what, what, you, what are your thoughts? Well, you make a good point. Something I've always said, me and my buddy Dean talk about Trump a lot, is he needs, they need to put a coat of grandpa on him, meaning he's going to be 80 years old. He'd be a lot less threatening if he adopted the Reagan vibe you're describing, which is kind of a self-deprecating, smiley-faced, you know, unifying vibe. That would help him because the biggest challenge between here and Election Day is not his record. It's the fact that he's going to be portrayed as a dictator who wants to deny women the right to vote. He's going to jail the minorities. I mean, the sale the Democrats are about to make between now and November is going to be really divisive and disgusting. So if he can do his best to not play into that, it would go a long way for him. And I think he should do that. I think he should do that, especially because the truth is once he clinches the nomination, they probably are. I don't know if it'll be Andy Bashir like Tudor said, but they probably will nominate somebody that's 45 or 50 and they can take the Republican argument and use it against him and go, see, he's too old, you know, and they'll do that. And the media will run with it. The media that tried to give Biden a pass on his age will come after Trump as if he's too old. Don't forget, they tried to do that at West Point when he walked down a ramp in the rain. They were like, he must have Alzheimer's. But Biden talks to invisible people. And they're like, nothing to see here, you know? So <laughs> that's absolutely right. They're going to try. Right. All right. Well, Michael, here's and the deal. Go ahead. Finish up. I'm sorry. Yeah. He, he, if, if he can be attractive, they say to uh, what? Uh, women, mm-hmm. uh, middle class women, and all that. Okay. You're right. Exactly what you said. Be more like a grandfather because he's won his base over. Yeah. I mean, the base is not going anywhere. They're going to vote for him. Yep. So now expand out with and the focus on other people. Well yeah. said, Michael. Exactly. That's why we pay you the big bucks, my man. Uh, quick commercial break. <laughs> go, yeah, go down to Venmo. It's on its way. I'll see you soon. Be good. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, the Saturday night kid doing the dang thing on the radio. If you want to see me on the TV, I am closing the Ingram Angle with Laura Ingram tonight in the 7 p.m. hour. Tomorrow, I will be closing Fox and Friends. 8.50 in the morning, you will see me on Fox and Friends. Thursday night, we're on Hannity. I'm sure I'll sneak on to Waters World either Wednesday or Friday. And, of course, Saturday night, I will be back in the host chair on Fox News Saturday night. So the next two months have me here in New York launching this show, doing a lot of media to promote it. And then we go back on the road in March. Okay, one gig of note uh, that matters today is that they've just added a second show in Ponte Vedre, Florida. That is Saturday, March the 9th. The original show sold out in like an hour. Uh, So we've added a second show. It's going to be 5 p.m. that Saturday. Uh, And you're all welcome to come be a part of it. If you didn't get tickets, we'll be doing a live meet and greet just like we will for the late show. I'll sign your books. I'll, you know, I will. I'll sign everything except your children. I have a lot of weirdos that come to my show and they're like, you got to sign my face, but I won't sign your face. Okay, I'm old fashioned. The only way I'm signing your face is if you pass out drunk in front of me, at which point pass me the Sharpie. And that's how you do it. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Boom! There it is. 
here we go, Snookums. Big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon coming up. Brian Brenberg, one of my all-time faves, joining us in this hour uh, to talk about the phrase Bidenomics. That's what the Democrats rolled out over the summer. They called it Bidenomics. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It really was, and now as it turns out, they are distancing themselves from the phrase because they want us to believe that people just don't understand. That's the problem. You see, Bidenomics is working. You just don't get it. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. No, nah, they're peeing on your leg and telling you it's climate change. 888-788-9910. If you want to weigh in on the Biden stuff, the primary stuff, it's really just a stampede of stupidity. This is the dumbest time there's ever been to be alive. There's nothing remotely close to it. Uh, and, you know, I've enjoyed chronicling the exploits, <laughs> however ridiculous they are. But as we're getting on to the air in this third hour, Okay, the way this show works is, and no one would believe this. No one would believe this. But we prepare, we do go out and we prepare this show. Come on, don't bullshit me. No, no, we do. We prepare it. We do. Uh, the Mikey and Josh round up sound clips of relevant things in the news I might want to comment on. We have probably, I would say every morning, a 30-minute conversation about the NFL. Things happen. We talk about hot chicks. Things happen. We prepare this show. That's true. That is true. Okay. The other form of preparation, because we don't script the show, you know, if you hear like a sound effect, I played it. You know, it's just real-time spontaneity. We're just having a conversation with you. Um, But the other thing that is true is that my – Conversations with you, the listener, are greatly informed by things that are happening in real time as we broadcast, meaning I'll see, you know, at any one point here in the studio at Fox News headquarters where I broadcast you from, there are eight different TV screens that are showing various news channels, both ours and Fox Business. We have MSNBC. We have CNBC. We have comedy channels like CNN. CNN is the worst. Okay, but anyway. Sometimes I react to things I see in real time. Sometimes I react to phone calls I get. Sometimes I react to conversations that I have with random Fox News personalities in the hallway. Like I'll run into them and someone will raise a point and I'll say, oh, that's interesting. Okay. And you know what? Maybe I will, you know, I will incorporate that into some of my analysis. And that's the way it works. So what I see on the way down to the studio in this hour, and it might be my favorite thing ever. When you talk about just people beclowning themselves, things that I find fascinating, people willing to get on TV and say anything. Now, to be clear, I'll wear anything. Like, I'll get on TV and I look like I'm running a Liberace cover band. And, you know, Gutfeld will yell at me and make fun of me on his show. But to be clear, he's just mad that my outfits don't come in kid sizes. But when it comes to what I say to you, when it comes to the views I express, I've given them a lot of thought. And the one thing I am always mindful of is, hey, what do I mean to say? Like, what is the truth as I see it that the listener will agree with, that the viewer will agree with? What is the absolute truth of how this is affecting all of us? And how can I tell some jokes to make the point? That's the formula. That's what I do on TV. Okay, there's a lot of people on TV that are performance artists. It's pro wrestling, meaning, you know, in a lot of times in pro wrestling, you know, the Undertaker hates the ultimate warrior. But when the match is over and the fans beat the snot out of each other in the parking lot, 
The Undertaker and the Ultimate Warrior go off to Hooters and hang out with the ladies. Hubba, hubba. Okay, that's a lot of what cable news is. Guys get on cable news and will sell you agitation and hatred for the other side, performatively so, but at the end of the day, they don't really care so much as they're just trying to rally, rile you up with some type of a moral superiority, some type of a reinforcement of your own confirmation bias. So if you're watching cable news, okay, and you're over on MSNBC, you understand that the whole network, the whole ethos of the network is to get their self-hating white people who comprise the vast majority of their audience to feel better about themselves. So they tell you a lot of things repetitively. Everybody in this country is a racist, but you, the MSNBC viewer, Okay, they're literally Hitler, except you, the MSNBC viewer. They're destroying the planet, except you, the MSNBC viewer. They're destroying democracy by questioning our elections. Everyone's doing it except you, the MSNBC viewer, who spent three years saying Russia stole the election. You're not doing it. (laughs) They're destroying democracy, except you, the MSNBC viewer that wants to take the leading political candidate off the ballot. You, you're not guilty of anything. That's what they run on. Okay, I know who watches the channel. I know who broadcasts on the channel. We go to a lot of the same media parties. Okay, Joe Scarborough hates himself so much. And the reason I know that is on the way back to the studio, I see a clip of him playing from last night's analysis where he says that Trump winning Iowa with a historic margin of victory is not a good Sign for Trump. That is straight clown stuff. Straight clown stuff. In what we're all, you know, guy got 50% of the vote. Everybody said it couldn't be done, but he got it. That's not good, you guys. Guys, that's not a serious person. That's a clown. That's a clown who wants to tell the audience full of Trump haters, the ones who told the world Trump stole the Russian election. Okay, that they're still right to feel that way. The hardest thing to do is admit you've been conned. So they just keep doubling down. No, no, he's Russian. They just, you know, Bill Barr wouldn't let everybody find out. That's what it is. No, you, you'll you see. No, no, he's racist. No, you'll see. Hates women. You'll see. I'm telling you. It's the first term didn't matter. It's the second term. If he gets the second term, that's when women lose the right to vote. That's when he jails the minorities. That's when the race war begins, the second term. You don't understand how dictators do it. They get elected once, the second time, that's when they overthrow democracy, you see. That's what they're selling you with a straight face. And for people who view politics as their own pro wrestling, this is great theater to them. They'll tune into Joe Scarborough every night to see him come on and do his best macho man Randy Savage impersonation. You're alive. That's what they'll do, though, straight up. No, come on. Act mad. Sell me this idea that Trump winning by a historic margin is a bad thing. You are so full of sh- I'm not making this up. This is Joe Scarborough. Clip 22. If Barack Obama took four years off and then ran in a Democratic caucus in Iowa, would 50% of Democrats vote against Barack Obama? No, no, they wouldn't. Let me answer your question for you. No, they wouldn't. The fact that the fact that Donald Trump has we have a delay. The fact that Donald Trump has 50 percent of Republicans not voting for him. And as Steve Kornacki said, one third hating him in the state of Iowa, in the state of Iowa. 
You know, right. we can all sit here and and you know put on sackcloth and ashes and 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 moan about Donald Trump getting 51 percent of the vote. Got to say, for people who actually want to win general elections, that's not good news. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Can I just tell you something, just so we're all on the same page, about how weapons-grade stupid that statement is? Okay, when Joe Scarborough says that's bad news, okay, you understand, okay, when he's comparing Trump to Obama. Okay, first and foremost, Trump is running against a governor who was historically popular in his re-election bid. He won by historic margins, the likes of which have never been seen in the state of Florida, increasing his vote totals with minorities and women. He won Dade County. Republicans have never done it. So number one, he's up against a very deep bench. Okay, he's up against Nikki Haley, who is a woman vying to be the first female president, someone who was the governor of South Carolina, someone who, when it comes to the key issue that drives Democratic turnout of abortion, is more uniquely positioned with female voters and independents than anyone the Republicans have ever put on a ticket. You could hate Nikki Haley to the moon and back. You better pray to God if you think Trump's going to be the next president that he's thinking about putting her on the ticket. Okay, you better pray to God because abortion drives Democratic turnout. It drives swing vote turnout. It drives suburban female turnout. And most importantly, the Democrats are only running on two things. Trump is Hitler and they're going to take away abortion. Okay, if you get somebody like Nikki Haley, who is of Indian descent, that helps you with the minority vote. And it also helps you dramatically with the female vote. So all of the laziness on Twitter of like neocon, globalist, elite, it's stupid stuff. Idiots, idiots shape their worldview around Twitter. Idiots. Okay, if Twitter mattered, Vivek Ramaswamy would be the next president of the United States. That's true. That is true. Okay, Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out of the race yesterday after embarrassingly licking Trump's boots on the way down. 24 hours after Trump trashed the guy, he says, I fully endorse Trump. I'm going to go campaign for him. That's who Vivek is. Okay, and that's fine. He's a nice guy. I've met him, enjoyed our conversations. But the point is Twitter has no idea what they're talking about. But you know who else has no idea what they're talking about? A guy by the name of Joe Scarborough. Okay. When you hear Joe Scarborough try to say, oh, a historic margin of victory, okay, is bad for Donald Trump. I mean, that's stupid. Use your common sense. Okay. Understand that's what's going on when he says that. If Donald Trump was running, you know, Barack Obama, okay. We're running and got that level of vote. That's not a good sign for somebody who wants to win the White House. Okay, do you know what Barack Obama got in the Iowa caucuses the first time around? Are you ready for it? The same thing as Trump. Oh, wow. He was up against Hillary Clinton. He was up against John Edwards. He got the exact same percentage of the vote. Do you think Joe Scarborough was on TV in 2008? Going, this is a disappointing result for Barack Obama. The answer would be no. No. He was like, this is something we've never seen. Now, you can give me the apples to oranges or apples to apples comparison of them as incumbents. But Obama, okay, as an incumbent, didn't 
get Donald Trump's percentage of the Iowa caucuses. This is, unlike Obama, a third attempt for the White House for Donald Trump. A Donald Trump that has run with the entirety of the media telling you he's Hitler, who's beholden to Vladimir Putin. Barack Obama has spent every day of his political life bumper bowling with the media covering the gutters and creating the perception that the guy knew what he was doing. Don't be thick, all right? Barack Obama was a catastrophically bad president. I don't dislike him. If I met him, I might even find him funny. The guy hangs out with Bono on Steven Spielberg's yacht. He's a billionaire shaking down Netflix, making white people or bad movies. I mean, he's having a good time. He's probably great to hang out with. Okay, but the point is, I don't want you to hate Barack Obama. I don't want to ferment any ill will in the world. But understand, he was a catastrophically bad president. The Affordable Care Act, that's what Obamacare was called. The Affordable Care Act drove up insurance premiums by 300%. Does that sound more affordable? The answer would be no. No, and the Republicans screwed the pooch by calling it Obamacare. Because Obamacare, yeah, look, Obama did this to the health care. We're all mad at Obama. Obamacare. And all the Republicans that ran on repeal and replace Obamacare because it was a popular thing to do, let Donald Trump get into office with no plan to repeal or replace Obamacare. This is politics as usual. That's why Trump's first signature domestic priority was a failure. The first thing he declared to do when he got into office was repeal and replace Obamacare. The Republicans didn't have a plan because that's what traditional politicians do. They run on issues instead of solving them. Okay, but understand, Republicans failed to call attention to just how bad Obamacare was because they should have just continued to refer to it as the Affordable Care Act. Because if you continuously just say Affordable Care Act, prices are up 300 percent. The Affordable Care Act, prices are up 400 percent. You are drawing attention to the catastrophic failure the bill was. I don't want people going broke from health care coverage, but health insurance and health treatment aren't the same thing. They will treat you regardless. It's against the law not to. Yes, the bills are out of control. But you understand we can't lower the premiums by giving it away and forcing people to buy it. Because that gives the actual merchants the opportunity to charge whatever they want. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. It's no different than student loan forgiveness. Ah, student loan forgiveness, but you didn't forgive the loans. You just told the people jacking up the rate of college, we'll pay it off for the people. At which point, student loan forgiveness becomes a loan for everybody except the folks who took them out. That's not right. Nobody's being forgiven except the guy who took the loan. Okay, the Iranian nuclear deal which gave $50 billion in cash assets to the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world, Iran. That's who's sponsoring these Houthi attacks. That's who sponsors Hamas. That's who's raining all the hell on us and our allies in the Middle East. They got their war money from Barack Obama. Okay, that might not have been his intent, but the point is that is the end result of his nuclear deal, and the media cheered him on every step of the way. So you understand in these moments when they get out there and try to make a comparison between Trump and Obama, okay, the only comparison to be made is that America and its interests were exponentially better and exponentially safer under Barack Obama. Uh, Excuse me, under Trump, Freudian slip, maybe so. But if you look at the record, okay, I can stop talking right now, and we all know the truth. You're absolutely right. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Brian Brenberg coming up. But the original Brian in Clarion, Pennsylvania, joins the huddle now. Brian. Hey, Jimmy. Happy New Year, and congratulations on your new TV show. Oh, hell. Um, Thanks, girlfriend. Yeah. I heard the clown horns, and I just had to call in. I wanted to run this by you. Um, You know, I don't think abortion is going to be a big deal for the national campaign, and we all know why. The Supreme Court— has pushed it back to the states. Mm -hmm. So the Democrats want to make it on a national platform, but the federal government doesn't have anything to do with it anymore. But you're telling the the truth. But you're telling the the truth. I don't know if you've been paying attention lately. Okay, they're basically going to position this as if somehow a Trump presidency or a Republican presidency would lead to a ban on abortion, which is not the truth. You know it's not the truth. I know it's not the truth. But they don't run on the truth. They run on hysteria. Which is why if but it's don't, but yeah, go don't ahead. Um, most people know what no. the truth is regarding no. the Supreme Court. No, they were able to convince people that the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade meant that a, they had lost their right to abortion, that states were just going to go out and ban it as if people weren't going to vote and exercise their own say on a state by state basis. So uh, listen again, last time around, they ran on Trump as Hitler. I don't know that that was accurate. Do you think so? Not at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to make sure I'm, suppo- I'm supposed to feel bad as a Trump supporter that he won Iowa because <laughs> I don't understand. Can uh, you explain that to me again? <laughs> there's, so Joe Scarborough's analysis is that Trump getting 50 percent of the vote is a bad sign in the general. But Obama got 50. Hillary got 33 and John Edwards got 14. So what are we talking about here other than these are performance artists selling their audience this gloom and doom scenario about Trump every day to make them feel better about themselves? I'm glad you get it, Brian. We're happy to have you on board. Are you going to watch my Saturday night show real quick? Well, yeah, I'm going to try to. Are I you... don't we don't have television. Oh, Brian, can... you're dead to me. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We were letting the Depeche Mode roll in case my cousin Cindy was listening down in Florida. This hour of the day, she might be cooking meth. You don't know. These are my relatives we're talking about. You know, it's like when Garth Brooks saying, I've got friends in low places, okay? What he was saying is, in addition to all my other friends, I have friends in low places, okay? Low places are all I have. They're all I have. So if I were to sing the inverse proportion of that, it would be, you know, maybe I'll be making progress someday and have them in high places. But joining me now is actual proof that I don't have those friends. He was the first guest on my TV show. I called this guy. Regrets. (laughs) I've had a few. I've had a few. You leave my bookers out of this. I kid. Brian Brenberg is here. Hey, man. Hey, man. How about it? Big day today. Big week. Well, you have come by at the direction of Jillian Michaels to make sure I'm not eating white flour. Yeah, that's, she did say so. That's what she said on the air, no white flour. I mean, yeah. to be honest with you, she didn't make it sound hard because I don't drink alcohol that much during the week. I might have a glass of wine. I'm yeah. not a big drinker. Yeah. So she said, lay off the white flour, minimize the sugar, but, but I can it, keep eating the protein. But you eat it like right out of the bag. That's the problem. <laughs> like the bag of flour and it's just like you're you, putting it in you, your so mouth. So she's saying if I'm going to eat it, I should bake something? Yeah, like make something. She's like, have initiative, you know? Do you remember... What was it? it? Was Nestle chocolate milk? Remember it came? Do you remember when Nestle's came in 
It was like a, a can almost. It was almost. like a tin. Like yeah, a can. tin. Yeah. With a lid on top. Yep. Did you ever eat that straight? I did. I loved that. Well, in a certain era. Yeah. Yes. Like you yeah. didn't make Kool-Aid. You took the packet and you and just, just like yes, shoved yes! it in your mouth. That's what, what are we doing with water? Why that, do we need it was water? Nestle Quick, right? It was yes. Nestle Quick. Yes. And I wasn't even making chocolate milk. I was eating the powder. It was amazing. Yeah. If you're a Nestle Quick drinker, check in. Brian Brenberg is in <laughs> studio. Uh, let me know which day they're cutting off your foot. <laughs> Maybe we can give you a ride to work in the old taxi we procured for the Saturday night show. Uncle Jimmy can swing by in the old checker cab. Uh, but I laugh at that uh, because, you know, the truth is there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things you grew up doing. You know, uh, one of the things that resonates with us on Twitter is there's the guy that tells you stories of old 70s sports. Yeah, yeah. It's like super 70s sports yeah, guy. Yeah. And once in a while, somebody will post like a video like, this is what the world was like in 1970. And it's a newscast about a kid on a bicycle who's trying to jump a stack of beer cans. Right. <laughs> and it's like, but there's serious reverence for the event. They have a, they have like, their Nate Foy is out in the streets. <laughs> and this kid's about to just jump a stack of beer cans on right. a bicycle. And the news is there. It's like, a it major matters. event. It's like a cultural moment here. That's what we're trying to bring back. Yeah. Okay. None of us is fixing anything. So let's pretend that we're full-time pundits. Because that's why America's cranky. Everybody in the country is working an unpaid full-time yes. job as a political yeah. pundit. Okay? Listen, we get paid to do this stuff, and it's not that much fun. The idea of doing it unpaid, <laughs> it's great, but I'm just saying doing it unpaid? Well, what are you talking it about? It used to be you just share your thoughts because that's what you did, but yeah. now you have this delusion that people want to hear them. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, they're dying to know my take on this. I gotta get it out. This is the truth, and this would fix the world. Social media, I've said this before, though, but this is a serious proposal. If you actually did add a button called Who Asked You, but it's something people could click. That would be good. So you post something, it gets 32 likes, you know, 22 retweets, 98 Who Asked You. There you go. That would give the average person some direction in how much time they should spend weighing in. I think I would actually like getting the who asked you in a Me way. Me too. You know, it's kind of funny. Like, You're right. That's how stupid what I just Why said am I, is. This, none of this needs to happen. None, and that's what people don't get. Like yeah. when you realize what social media has become, you're road raging with people who aren't on the same highway as you. <laughs> So you're on I-95 heading south by south of the border in South Carolina. You could pull over to go in the wave pool, but instead you're like, Trump's going to jail. And some guy in Route 80 just outside of San Diego is like, screw you, Biden's a criminal. Honk, honk. You're not even on the same road. It's so true. We just want the combat. We just want, like, we just want combat. Are we all gladiators at heart? What are we doing? We're, things haven't changed since ancient Rome. No, no. Nothing has changed. Nothing. And that's even so when it comes to politics. We're fighting over the same issues that we were fighting over 40 years ago. It's that's, so true. So it's like the way we're fighting has changed. That's why it's dumb. So when you watch Fox News Saturday night, if you watched it this past week, I'm sorry. Yeah. But no, when you do watch it in general, it's this level of hang because this is what we need more of. Now, to that point, okay, I, one of my favorite things, two pieces of analysis that leapt off the page at me today. I'm not sure if you got into them on the Big Money Show. Uh, we'll get to the economic question second. The first one was Joe Scarborough. I just played the clip for my listeners. Yeah. He's like, well, Trump getting 50% of the votes is actually a bad sign. Him winning by a historic margin is a bad sign. You don't understand here, yeah. which is just the height of absurdity. Was there a rest of that story, or was it just his comparison assertion? Was, if Obama was running in the Democratic Party right now, 
if for a third term, he would get much higher than 50%. Now, I grant you that's true, but who would he be running against? A president who's polling behind ISIS. Okay, Biden is at 33% right now. There's nobody out there. Okay, so you might get a higher share. To the credit of Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, they are formidable good candidates. They're not yeah. going to win. Yeah. Okay, but DeSantis won re-election by a historic margin oh, yeah. without a Trump endorsement the second time around. So he's running against a more contested field, but the fact remains the entirety of the media set 50% as the benchmark for the Iowa caucuses. Yeah. You know, it's you know in Cool Hand Luke, that boy can't eat 50 <laughs> eggs. That boy ain't going to eat 50 <laughs> eggs. He ate the 50 eggs. And now they're like, oh, that's nothing. You just, what do you mean? You just told me he could, Luke couldn't eat the 50 eggs. Yeah, it, uh, totally. I mean, th- I did hear that analysis, and it is like your last resort this is what we're you're going to. through your list of like responses to the results you're like oh my god that didn't do it. that didn't work that didn't work he got over 50 shoot <laughs> well you know if fdr came back yeah, today that guy'd get like 90 percent do you remember growing up okay in a different era in america where you had masculine guys in your life that couldn't handle a new pop star being so adored by women. So they'd automatically call him <laughs> gay. Automatically. <laughs> no, he's gay. It doesn't matter. And again, women are going crazy. And it was like the greatest thing in the world is because one time in the history of men doing this, emasculated men, it was when Ricky Martin, they actually got one right. Because when Ricky Martin hit, he was purportedly straight. And the same thing. He was the hottest guy See, in the I world. See, I told you. He's gay. And Ricky Martin actually being gay bought these insecure men another 20 years of calling hot guys gay. Oh, ah, he's gay. Man. That's what Scarborough's down to. We're a week away from being like, nice nah, gay. <laughs> yeah, the supermodel, he has nothing else to say. Nothing else to say. <laughs> That's what we're down to. Oh, it's, it's insane. Uh, what a dumb time to be alive. So give me this other one then, because I think we're in agreement there. Maybe we're in disagreement on this one. I don't know. But the idea that uh, someone like a Simone Sanders would say they're ditching Bidenomics because Americans just don't get it. I think they're ditching Bidenomics because Americans do get oh, it. Oh, they, they for sure get it. This is a case where they get it so much, <laughs> so regularly uh, and that, that they're like, we get it. Yeah. You, that's the problem. But you know what she said? So she said that she's like, get rid of Bidenomics. Uh-huh. But then she says, but she was actually right at one piece. She said, uh, when's the last time Biden took questions at the town hall? Oh, yeah, stop it. Stop. I mean, it's true though. And it's- that's like, yes, you, you probably needed to get that on like five years ago. Yeah. But think about that's that. actually right on the money. Thank you. So we'll give her credit for that. But the idea of the Bidenomics thing and like this repeated lecture, because uh, KJP said the other day, she's like, yeah, Joe Biden has delivered for the American people. I'm like, now she's not wrong because under his economy, a lot of Americans have gotten delivery jobs right. on the side <laughs> to hold things together. He is delivering for the American people. See, <laughs> what you deliver matters. It's not just that a delivery was made. Like, you know, you could get the delivery of a nice yeah. thing or you could get like, a horse head in your bed kind of situation. And that's a different kind of delivery. 80% you know? of the country now drives for Lyft or Amazon because of the Biden economy. <laughs> Although he's delivering for the American people. What a delivery. The delivery man. Hit a, yeah, he's the, he is the special delivery the Jones. special delivery Jones. The guy that would get his ass kicked every night. <laughs> What a name, though. Oh, funny. Brian Brenberger's here. But you know what? If we're going to have fun, we should call out Republicans just the same. Because Nikki Haley, someone I've had on the show quite a bit, said such a laughable thing in Iowa. She declared it because she won one county. So Trump won 99% of the counties. She won the last county by one vote. 
and said the people of Iowa have sent a clear message that this is a two-horse race. Now, what I think she was saying, though, if we were going to sift through this like we did with the Biden quote, is that after Iowa, her and her assistant are now traveling on two horses because the money dried up. It's a two-horse race. You got one. I've got one. I'll see you in New Hampshire. Dude, the, the, like this, this has got to go hand in hand with social media. But yeah. Just the extent of spin. Yes. And like we, we've got. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this frame. And we're gonna pump it out there so hard. Yeah. It's two tickets. We punched our <laughs> ticket. You know, you're looking at that map of Iowa, and it's just like one <laughs> single blob of color with like the little, you the, know, the whole thing. The whole the whole thing is one color. He got so guys, if you're listening, he got ninety nine of the hundred percent of counties, ninety nine. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? And uh, even in the most disturbed person would look at that Rorschach test and know what the image was. There's no way. <laughs> what do you to... see here? Just tell me what you see here. <laughs> ah, I see. Uh, I see. A I victory. see the woman who came in third on this map. <laughs> catapulting to the top. And it's like, I understand that that's what you have to do in politics, but I give credit. Like I want to talk to her about this. If I have her on again, great because as a comic, like you have to deliver lines with a straight face. Okay. You have to say things. Good point. This is an admirable line to be able to declare with a straight face because you have to know nowhere in the fiber of your being is this true. Let's play it, Josh. It's clip nine. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. But you won't. (laughs) But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond, I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Tonight, tonight, I will be back in the great state of New Hampshire. And the question before Americans is now very clear. Do you want more of the same? Or do you want a new generation of conservative leadership? Just a bit outside. That was, turned into, that was turned into a Phil Collins song. Like, tonight, tonight, <laughs> tonight, whoa. Two-person race. <laughs> it's from the album No Victory Required. <laughs> She came in third. Tonight, everybody needs to know DeSantis, the guy who beat me by five, is finished. The people have spoken. And by handing me third place, they really meant to say first. Damn autocorrect. It's like, come on. And I get that that's what goes on. But, like, as just sitting here as a person having a human reaction, I find politics to be so funny. It's just pro wrestling. It, it is. I, I mean, I do get the relative. There are yeah. relative wins. Mm-hmm. But you, but the thing is, you can always find somebody. You could say the most outside of crazy thing. You could always find some people who would be like, that's the take. Yeah. That's it. You're the one who sees into it. Like, yeah. you could see clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White men can't jump. When Wesley Snipes says to Woody Harrelson, you know, white people, you listen to Jimi Hendrix, but you can't hear Jimmy. Yeah. You know, that was Nikki. White people, you listen to the <laughs> Iowa results, but you can't hear the Iowa results. <laughs> they said I won. You're like, wait, no, no, they did. You came. No, they said I won. Uh, but it's funny. But that's what you have to do. I get it. It's the messaging war, which is what I find so fascinating. It's something we've said a lot is in this day and age one of the biggest challenges for DeSantis is you're not running for president you're running for class president mm-hmm. you know you need to be out there being personal and doing things but nobody won social media harder than Vivek and he's out of the race yeah so, and he was calling I mean, he had he was calling for the big upset yeah. right I mean this was like and you're kind of thinking okay well is this the case where yeah. the social media and all the and attention the translates and, yeah, yeah. into that and it just it didn't at 
all. Vivek was Tommy Brennan's rocket. Now, you don't know this story. Okay, but we'll close on this. So my neighbor, Tommy Brennan, he worked uh, for Bell Atlantic, like 9X, the old phone company here in New York. Uh, Him and his dad, they were career Bell Atlantic workers, worked for the phone company. And because he was like the only guy I knew who commuted to New York City on a daily basis, he had like a mystique. You know what I mean? He was our Marco Polo because he would bring other culture back, like DVD bootlegs of I'm going to get you, (laughs) sucker, and, you know, fake watches and stuff. He was your guy. Well, one year for the 4th of July, he went to Chinatown, and we got the world-famous Tommy Brennan's rocket. He actually spent the money on one firework, okay? Okay. It was a $500 bottle rocket. But you have to understand, like, this thing is – it looked like you'd expect it to look like. It looked like something Hamas would mount on an 81 Toyota Corolla <laughs> <laughs> and aim at an embassy. This was a substantial rocket. Wow. And because, you know, back then you lived in an era of folklore where, you know, I heard someone shot a right. jet out of the sky with one of these. It became a talking point on Abbey Lane for the better part of a week that we were going to shoot off Tommy Brennan's rocket on the 4th of July. And on the 4th of July, the football field next to the house I grew up in, we marched out to the field, uh, fife and drum. Someone was dressed in a bald eagle costume. Like, we committed. At 8 o'clock on the 4th of July, with all the fireworks going off, we lit Tommy Brennan's rocket. It shot off. I assume it's still going to this day. It never exploded. <laughs> Nothing happened. But it was like, like that. It was just gone into the night sky, never to be seen or heard from again. It didn't blow up. There was no show. There were no fireworks. But it'll live on forever in infamy as something we really played up, but nothing happened. Oh. Was Vivek not the Tommy Brennan's oh, bottle man. rocket I, of I, Iowa? I, there's no more app comparison out there in all of punditry. Yeah. In all of punditry <laughs> than that. We just cut down every other news anchor for their BS analysis. And then I was like, you know, the whole thing's like Tommy Brennan's bottle rocket. <laughs> that's hot why, take. That's why he lived very hot. The fuse was like it's three so feet hot. long. Great stuff. We're back after this. Just do, can you do the end of the show? You might as well. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Woo! Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are in the bottom of the ninth on the radio. First inning on the TV. I'll be on the Ingram Angle tonight, closing the shop at 7.50 Eastern Standard Time. Tomorrow, Fox and Friends at 8.50. You'll probably see me on Waters World and some Thursday night Hannity as well. I still owe him a cut of the money for getting my TV show, Brenberg. And you heard Dana Perino say with us on the couch... You know, she said her emergency contact would be Hannity. Yeah. She said, why? She said he has, he'll always be there for you. He's the best guy. He has money, and he has a helicopter. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's amazing. I said, but he wants a cut of my money for getting this job. And she goes, how do you think he got his helicopter? Yeah, right. So he's running a protection yeah, He'll racket. always be there for you because you owe him. <laughs> it's like Goodfellas. Paulie wants his money. That's right, Paulie. Slow business, F you, pay me. <laughs> Shawnee wants his money. Low ratings, F you, pay me. <laughs> Come on, Sean. And then he'll beat me up because he knows karate kickboxing. <laughs> yeah, you're toast either way. Yeah, I got a big problem on my hands. We're in the bottom of the ninth with Brenberg. We're just talking about the ridiculousness of our politics because we really have now entered the silly season in that it is just between now and Election Day, as you know, legislation doesn't get passed. No. Nothing of substance happens no. other than an, a messaging war. No. And we're about to watch a real, you know, this is just a Jackson Pollock from here to the finish line. It's a throw painting from oh, here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's like... 
paint splattered indiscriminately rolling on the canvas. Yeah. Nobody has any clothes on. It's that's <laughs> it's, what we're in. It's actually Gallagher. Remember yeah. Gallagher? <laughs> watermelon you sledgehammers. Turn on CNN tonight, they're handing you a watermelon <laughs> sledgehammer. They're like the Iowa results are in. <laughs> it's just all over you. That's like, so true. What just happened? That is it. The sledge political sledgematic is what we're about to encounter the rest of the way. And you got to laugh, man. So, you know, I think if you're out there, I, I think one primary, I don't think you can call the race. But I think after New Hampshire, we will have called the Republican. No, race. it's a one-two punch. Yeah. New Hampshire and Iowa, one-two punch, I think, yeah. this time It'll around. be over. It yeah. won't matter. You'll know. Uh, I think is the truth because the fundraising is also going to dry up, you know. The Nikki two-horse race thing. It's a two-horse race. Ride your race. horses in New Hampshire. It's yeah. tough to take them anywhere else after that. Yeah. They, they need the oat bag. <laughs> the, uh, it's all the same oat Those, bag. That, that, that horse is named Glue Stick. <laughs> you've, you've got Elmer's and you've got rubber cement. Those are the two horses, Nikki. If somebody doesn't turn this thing around, uh, the show is over. Pay up. Get out. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.